0: Craft Radio, episode 25, December 29th, 2005.
1: Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft
0: brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. And this week, our last show of the year and Doppelbox. Our mega super year-end blowout show. <laughs> well, mega super
1: year-end blowout in terms of alcohol.
0: <laughs> pretty these, much. These
1: are some high alcohol beers.
0: But then again, we'll be starting the new year with some pretty high alcohol beers, too. Yes, yeah, that's true. Don't you love wintertime? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll just move straight into business. We have a public service announcement brought to you by Sudsgear.com.
1: <clears throat> there have been scattered reports that spouses of Craft Beer Radio listeners have been buying stuff at Sudsgear.com and not using the coupon code CBR. As all Craft Beer Radio listeners know, the coupon code saves you 10% on your order. Not to mention, it makes it worthwhile for Jeff to come up with these ridiculous ads. Make sure this does not happen to you. Practice with your spouse several times a day to make sure that they know how to use the coupon code CBR when placing an order at Sudsgear.
0: Dot com. Thank you. That public service announcement was brought to you by sudsgear.com. And my radio voice. Okay, there are several ways you can send us feedback.
1: You can post a comment on our website, craftbeerradio.com.
0: You can vote for us on Podcast Alley and leave a comment. But call. wait till after the first of the year, since this much month is pretty much wasted.
1: Right. Uh, You can call our new comment line at... uh, Well, it's not really new anymore.
0: Our old comment line. At 206202beer. You can tell that I just cut and paste this one and put it on the business notes every single time. Yeah, pretty much. Send an email or audio comment to beer at craftbeerradio.com. And as I like to say, you can yell really loud. (laughs) Greg will be listening between the hours (laughs) of 3 and 6 on Wednesday afternoons. So, go on to emails. First email, Brian from Portland... He uh, told us last night at his Christmas party, he had a couple of jubilees and he said we were right. Well, I cut a piece out. I should probably have added that. He's had it before. He's from Portland, mm-hmm. so he gets to have them all the time. And he thought, you know, these are great beers. But at the Christmas party, he had some Jubileo, and he was drinking them along with other winter warmer style beers. And he agreed with us that they were overly hoppy mm-hmm. with the, the rest of the beers that he was enjoying at that time. And
1: that's probably had an effect on, on how we were judging them, too.
0: Certainly. So, he, it was one of those cases where he saw exactly what we were talking about, where we were disappointed with the Jubileo and the sale because they were overly bitter compared to the other beers, and what our expectations were for that right. night. Next email, Jean-Luc posted a message on our blog, actually.
1: Well, it's a message on our website.
0: He was in Belgium when we aired the last show, and he was listening, and we mentioned about, or the one where we mentioned about pouring beer. And he was talking about how beers like Leffe... You pour them a different way. Right. Mm-hmm. You wet the glass, you sit the glass on the drip tray under the tap, and you just let the beer pour into it. Greg, I'm sure you've seen it, the Sharp Edge Creek House. Yes. How they have three beers on tap. They have Garden, uh, one of the Leffas, and a third one. And that's what they do. They have a little water squirt thing that squirts out the glass. They put the glass on the drip tray. They fill it up till the foam's over overflowing. And then they use a knife to scrape off the foam yes. so it's level with the top of the glass. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to investigate on... Why these beers are served this way?
1: Until I get convinced otherwise, I'm going with the theory that it doesn't really matter how the beer is poured. The, the beer, for aesthetic reasons, can be poured certain ways. You know, people make a big show out of pouring a beer in a particular way. As far as I'm concerned, unless you pour it with an amazing amount of head and like no beer in there. Well, it, sound, you- it
0: sounds to me that this method of pouring will release more carbonation during the pour. So if it's a highly carbonated beer and you want to get some more of that out... It seems like this would be a method to pour the wet glass. That should that should affect head retention. Which way more? I'm trying to unless a sure. wet
1: glass would add more water to the beer. It would water it down a bit, wouldn't it? I mean, just not a, not a, just a bit, not a
0: tiny bit. Yeah, the same amount or even less than a frosted glass would. But right. um, I'm just trying to think that probably is the biggest effect on the head retention of the beer, or at least the the, the display of the head when the beer is poured. I'm going to try to get more information on because I was curious when I read jean Luke's post and uh, we'll report our findings back to you, the curious listener. I
1: mean, to me, uh, much more about the taste of the beer than...
0: One bartender than that John Luke talked to told him that he could taste a difference w- in, in between the beer poured the correct way and an incorrect way. Now, it could be I someone like, wanting to hear the di- yeah. wanting to taste the difference or not, but apparently he went to a class put on by Leffa that taught them how to pour the beer.
1: I'd I'd like to do a blind taste test on that one, and see see whether he passes. <laughs> he, he he does anything past the we can do this test. We can go
0: under the Creek House. We can get a lot, get the beers poured the proper way and the improper way. Have him do a blind in front of us, or you know blind behind us, uh-huh. and we could try it out. What do you say? It's worth a shot. Okay, we'll add that to our schedule. We'll figure out what you want to do when we're going to do it. Oh, he also said to. Uh, Great show, guys. Keep up the good work. His BJCP test is on January 7th, and he said you can check out the tests on the BJCP website. I didn't know they were listed there. Oh. So, a couple weeks ago, someone had asked where the training classes are and whatnot. So, if the tests are there, you might be able to work backwards and figure something out. And he said our show has helped him out a lot, oh, which is cool. pretty cool, because I use basic brewing radio to help me out a lot. <laughs> Some of those interviews with the malt and the barley guys are great for the minutiae that you need yeah. to know for the BJCP test. Drew from
1: Maryland said he was listening to our show when we were talking about Oscar Blue's uh, two-hand canned seasonal beers. And I was wondering whether the name Leroy referred to the... I wasn't really wondering whether it referred to the World of Warcraft. I just thought it was You were just making a corollary. Yeah, I was making a corollary. I I obviously knew it wasn't, um, or I felt that it wasn't associated with World of Warcraft. He says he believes the name for the brownout comes from Jim Crouch's song, Bad Bad Leroy Brown, who's the baddest man in the whole damn town.
0: It makes sense. Yes. Um, he said he tried Michelob's Halloway and it tastes like a huge vanilla bean. He uh, wasn't very impressed with the beer. Hmm. Probably a lot of flavor, but not a lot of character or something along those lines, I would guess. Maybe. Stacy from Pittsburgh, are you guys planning on doing a Dunkel show? I've recently gotten into Dunkels thanks to the Church Brew Works Dunkle they have on tap. And I would be very interested in hearing a show on dunkles. I find that an interesting style, often overlooked.
1: You know, the Otaru Brewery in, um, in Japan had a very nice dunkle.
0: Uh, I would uh, say it, it is overlooked, because yeah. I wouldn't have considered picking it as a style for the show. But since we've had a request, there are a fair amount of dunkles we'll be able to get at these. And, uh, yeah, we'll put together a yeah, show. This cool. go. That sounds good. John from
1: Capitol Hill writes, he attended the beer tasting we talked about last week at the uh, Raven house I was building. And uh, he can report it was well-attended and well-appreciated. And most of the reception on Capitol Capitol Hill featured the bland macro brews that we would expect, and pretty much we do expect that. So he says this was a happy uh, change, and he wanted to thank us for not taking a cheap shot by bashing politicians for drinking on the job. And I I feel that I would only take a cheap shot if they were drinking Budweiser or Coors.
0: And there's nothing wrong with drinking on the job.
1: Absolutely not
0: enjoyed in moderation i think a beer at lunch is perfectly yeah, acceptable absolutely but i i also think that it's
1: it's it really is great i think we mentioned this last night it really is great to show these people these people it really is great to show people in general and especially lawmakers how much there
0: is to beer right there was a little bit more where he said most of the people were uh hard-working staffers but there were a few congressmen and senators thrown in for good measure so those are lawmakers getting to see that beer is not just for getting buzzed, right. which is very good when they can see that there's more to beer than, you know, the NASCAR beer. Absolutely. Bill wrote in and he
1: said he made think this question was ridiculous, but he was wondering if we ever choose our beer based on what music we're listening to. He says it might make it interesting to show to pair beers with music. He says, granted, musical tastes are very subjective, but so are beer and food tastes, so I think you can generalize to some extent. Um, I don't know that's totally ridiculous, Bill, but it's for me beer is is a taste thing, and taste and, and sound don't go together that well.
0: Yeah, I've I uh, told Bill that you know I've seen posts like this on the Beer Advocate forums, and they've never made any sense to me. Beer and food are both flavors, taste things, so you can pair those and i like music but i don't like music as much as obviously some people do on this forum because they do pair their beer with what's coming in their ears and i i just can't make that connection it just doesn't really fit i mean i could say okay this kind of band goes with you know a punk band goes with arrogant bastard or something but you know i really it doesn't put me in the mood could to, it be to,
1: a left brain right brain thing i don't know i mean i'm
0: just thinking you know characteristic wise but that that doesn't ever put me okay, I'm listening to the Ramones, I Want to Drink an Arrogant Bastard, or anything like that, you know? <laughs> it just never yeah. considers... It's, it's all... I mean, my mood dictates my music that I listen to, and my mood can dictate the beer that I want to drink, but those are unrelated parts of my mood, the way I find it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm i not a big listener to music in general. I have a couple bands I like, and that's pretty much it. And I don't listen all the time. So, for me, trip pairing music and beer is... is Foreign in the sense that I don't listen to music enough. I drink beer a lot more often than I listen to music. so it, it wouldn't really have any relevance in my my way of looking at it. so that's just the way it is for me.
0: Send us your input if you feel differently. I'd be curious someone to actually explain, you know, yeah, this band goes great with this beer because it's just a foreign concept to yeah. me as well. On to
1: news
0: This is an interesting article. The title is Anheuser-Busch Keeps New Ale Off Shelves. Yeah. It, it, it's a misleading headline, so let's scratch that out right now. Anheuser-Busch brewed a fresh harvest hop ale. One of those ales that they brew at harvest time with green hops that aren't mm-hmm. dried yet, The one I like the one I helped East End Brewing brew. Right, right. So they're making it, but apparently... Well, it, it's not really... There. The story kind of makes it sound like they're not giving it to the mass consumer. Well, they can't. You can only brew this once a year when the hop right. harvest comes mm-hmm. in. So they brewed a hop ale, and it's available at four of their tasting rooms in their brewery. In their breweries around the country. So if you are in Fort Collins, St. Louis, Fairfield, California, or Jacksonville, Florida, you could tour Anheuser Busch and taste their hop ale. It should last the next two months or so, they say.
1: But they're not going to. It's not going to be widely distributed. Is basically what this article is.
0: Well, they can't widely distribute. Like I yeah. said, you can brew it. Like. Four days a year, yeah. right after the hop harvest comes in. And you got to brew it then. And you can't brew enough to sell it and market it. Absolutely. Even, you know, being in Heiser Bush or not in Heiser Bush, I mean, granted, East End Brewing made um, 14 barrels of the stuff and sold it kegged. But, you know, that's all there is. They can't yeah. make more until next year.
1: Unless you, ha- well, I guess you could have hydroponically grown hops, but I don't know how that would affect the whole hop thing.
0: That would be difficult and interesting at the same time be a very large hydroponic veil (laughs) yes it would um what 25 feet tall (laughs) okay it was a very slow news week so i had to throw in this news story okay throwing beer bottle scares driver (laughs) okay The thrown beer bottle caused the Valley woman to reflect on what could have been. Let's just stop it there because I think that's that's the perfect place to stop this story. It was a, uh, a TV news story. Hmm. So, obviously, no depth at all. And I just saw the headline on Google News <laughs> and I had to put on here. Thrown beer bottle scares driver.
1: <laughs> Very nice. Well, you know what? After the news, we're going to put in a, a special segment this week.
0: Being our year end episode. We figured it'd be a good time to reflect on the beers that we've drank in 2005. And we have a list of
1: uh, our, we don't want to say best.
0: Because most memorable beers. Yeah. And because memory is very wavering and yeah. subjective. Beers we had last week versus beers we had on June 3rd, in our fact, first episode. Yeah,
1: in fact, some of the beers we had last week are, top, are very high on my list. Yeah, me too. Just because uh, I mean they're still so close, but maybe not the ones you might expect. I guess I'll go with mine first. Okay, this is my most memorable on the show. This is just the main show, not the po- not the beer post shows, just main show. Okay, now, number five beer, uh, the Sierra Nevada Porter. As a matter of fact, I remember how different it was from how much stronger it was than the one I expected to win that night, which was the Edmund Fitzgerald, which was. One of what I thought the best porters in the country. Here was this Sierra Nevada one that came along and just blew it away completely. Right. So, you know, I, I wrote down here bold, malty, surprisingness, robustness. Uh, porter tried to overshadow a beerhead. I thought I had no equals in this category. So there you go.
0: When I uh, was looking through the beers we had tasted on the show, that one had come up in my finalist list. It didn't make the top five, but it was one of the finalists for sure that was quite memorable.
1: Yeah. Uh, number four, um, the Yards Philadelphia Pale Ale. I felt a uh, really distinct and interesting take on the pale ale with the whole apricot flavoring.
0: Right, that uh, made my list. Okay, because it was one of the beers where it was just like wow, I was trying to think. Okay, which beers did I say wow on? Yeah, and that was one because it definitely the hop, the hopping in that beer gave it this fruity apricot flavor. And right after we tasted it, I went out and bought a case of the stuff because yeah. it was just so interesting and different.
1: Uh, should I just go through my list and you'll do yours? Sure. Okay, uh, number three, and this is an interesting one. Sam Adams' old Fezziwig.
0: Oh, really? I, okay.
1: The old Fezziwig gave me this unique kind of dancing spices flavor on my tongue, almost like the pop rocks in a way. Okay. Were just, they were popping on my tongue. It was so different than anything I ever had before. Really a unique beer something that I want to try again to make sure if, if it's really as good as I remember it and really is as, as unique as that. Uh, number two, uh, no surprise here, the Trappist Whistle H12. Oh, okay. Uh, beer, you know, without any real flaws as we said. It's easy to see why it consistently rates so high. Is it the best beer in the world? It's not even best on my list.
0: So, is it the best beer in the world? I was torn on whether to add the Westy 12 Mm -hmm. to my list or not because there was nothing wrong with it. But, it really wasn't that memorable. It could have been because of the hype that we had for Mm -hmm. it and the expectations. Again, not a bad beer, but not memorable. So, it didn't really make my top five list because it wasn't a wow beer. Well, it was memorable to me. Okay.
1: It was, uh, I would say it's probably not the best beer in the road, but you'd be hard-pressed to find someone that doesn't enjoy it.
0: And oh, I agree, absolutely. It just, to me, it didn't have the wow factor that these other five did. And
1: number one on my list was the Anderson Valley Winter Solstice. Okay. On the show, you know, it was really rich and flavorful, and I mentioned how, as an example of why we love craft brewing and beer in general, you know, you can get true taste satisfaction from a drink. That was the key to me. That was why Winter Solstice tops my list.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so good. I had one last night after I finished doing all this housework. And um, has a, I picked up a really strong vanilla flavor this time. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just such a great beer. Yeah. They should make that all year round. So, Jeff, your list <laughs> okay, for Okay, so we only had one... We had two duplicates on my list. Okay. I had the Winter Solstice and the Philly Pale Ale. I didn't really put mine in any particular order. One of the other beers that I had that was really memorable was Heavyweight's Saison de Lusor. Okay, Gold. yeah, that was a good one. That was really good. I uh, I just really like that beer. The, the Farmhouse Saison, the the tartness that that one had, uh, just it's a really good beer. It's one of my favorites of the year. Another one I put on the list is another Belgian style. It is Belgian. The Orval. Okay, yeah. I was torn up. Do I want to put on the Westie or the Orval? And I just think the, the Orval with that sourness, that tartness that it had. Again, Different, I just I yeah. I just liked, I just liked think that was more memorable than the, than the Westie was. Mm-hmm. And then the last beer that I had that was memorable, I wish I had it longer ago to see if it was still memorable, but the Brown Sugar yeah, from Lagunitas. Yeah, I, I was
1: thinking about that one because we were basically really wowed by that beer.
0: Yeah, because we just had that two weeks ago, or last week. Yeah, last, last week. week, yeah. And um, yeah, that was definitely a wow beer. Hey, did you know that um, you can get Lagunitas here in Pittsburgh now? No, Lutheran Distributing is bringing it in. Well, that
1: sounds really at D's good. At these, they
0: had the IPA, they had the Imperial Stout, I think. So I'm gonna have to, we're gonna have to pick some of those Excellent. up and try some more Lagunitas.
1: Well, now onto our non CBR, the stuff that didn't happen on the show. It could happen to post pre or post show or Just, elsewhere. Yeah, at a bar. I had a top seven list. Okay, because I I had, I had five, and then I had to move a couple on there, so I figured I'd keep them all. Number seven, Victory Wallop. Okay. Okay, I say the name says it all, and it's a, a wallop of hops, this huge grapefruit flavor that somehow managed to, manage, it, first of all, it makes other hops taste malty in comparison, but somehow managed to make it drinkable, and uh, even though it's hugely hops, it really de- it's deserving of some praise. Okay. My um, number six was the Great Divide Yeti Imperial Stout. This was an Imperial Stout that managed to get its point across without becoming syrupy and sticker, sticky, as others tend to do.
0: I was just going to write that down for one of my beers. And I was like, oh, my God, the Yeti. I didn't put that one down. Yeah. So that's on my top five of the year for sure.
1: That was just really delicious and, and a brilliant example of an imperial stout. Uh, my number five was the Rodenbach Flanders Red. I think I mentioned you, I wasn't sure if I liked this beer when I first tried it. But the fact that I kept ordering it. Right. <laughs> and I began to realize what a great impressionist it is. It was tart, fruity, and sour beer had on me. It was really a keeper. Uh, number four. Was Mad Elf. Oh, okay. It was a supremely uh, sippable, enjoyable beer, and it was really delighted to enjoy it. A really fun time drinking that beer. Have
0: Good you stuff. noticed that tasting any different out of the bottle that we had versus on tap?
1: I didn't have much of it on tap.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, I had...
1: That was the day I had Arrogant Bassard. Oh, a big, well. okay. Big, you
0: know... Like I didn't notice million much million. difference. I thought it was slightly better on tap, though. Slightly. I was just curious okay. what you thought, because... For beer like that, I almost expected it to be more different in the two serving types.
1: Yeah, I, like, I didn't really have much of it, so I, I can't really say. My number three, Morimoto Imperial Pilsner.
0: I was thinking about that one, and because uh, yeah. it was very interesting, very uh, interesting,
1: strongly hoppy, uh, great sort of pilsner flavor. And it's really too bad that I. And gonna, there was an
0: interesting it. sweetness to it too, yeah. because of the pilsner excessive pilsner malt. It's a it's a. It's a flavor you don't get very many places yeah. because you don't get that overly malty pilt, pilt and malt that you got out of the Morimoto.
1: I do want to try the Sam Adams Imperial and Pilsner. Maybe we'll get some a similar flavors from yep, that.
0: we have one here, yeah. so we're going to get to it sooner or later.
1: Uh, number two, uh, the Alaskan Smoked Porter. Okay. Which I had for the first time. I think it was early this year. Or was it last nope, year? No, that was
0: last year. It it was, that one I wasn't count. sure whether
1: that counts or not. But I wanted to put that on there because I know we had one this year, which was really good. It was even better.
0: Oh, maybe we did have a second one this year. We had a second one this
1: year. It was an earlier. Okay. You know, it was like 1999 or something. It was really, really delicious and good. The first time I had the porter, it tasted like a a common porter with a crazy, smoky backbone. And this second time I had it, it it was almost transformed. It was much more complex Mm -hmm. and uh, flavorful. Really good stuff. Wait wait a couple years on this one and then try it. My number one. And I put this as number one because when I see it, I almost always order it. And that would be Great Divide Hercules Double Imperial Paleo. Okay. Uh, it was basically everything you like about IPAs without some of the things you don't like. Uh, it doesn't have a syrupiness. It doesn't have uh, an overt bitterness that just sticks there and, and lays on your tongue. really is just totally delicious. I loved it. Great Divide gets a lot of praise for this one.
0: The, um, Hercules, I, uh, I wouldn't put it near the tops of my double IPAs I mean, it's good But I would put Stouts, Rogue Those two definitely Towards the top, at the top of the list Better than the Her- Hercules I ran out of time I didn't get to put <laughs> this full list of beers I didn't have on the show But I do have two other ones I want to mention And they, are, Greg's going to cringe They're both from Stone Brewing Company The <laughs> first one I had was this year's Double Bastard Okay quite a memorable beer it was um it was better than the last two years that i've had it at least that's what my memory says it was delicious this year and then the other one i had is one from very early in the year this one's from january it made a big impression on me their eighth anniversary
1: okay remember I that, that strong I brown
0: that, ale that. or mild that they had right strong mild leave it the stone you know <laughs> but um uh, yeah that made a big impression on me this year i really like that one okay and those are just that's all i have right now <laughs> So that's our list. Send us your list. Yeah, let us know what are some of the beers you've had for the first time this year that uh, you know just left had a big wow factor to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Know what beer am I this week? Know what beer am I.
1: <laughs> We're kind of slacking off on that direction. it's
0: getting hard to find good, unique, interesting yeah. examples of beer. If you guys can cut me, send us an examples. do the research, find us beer that has some cool clues. There's a whole bunch from Dogfish Head I could probably use, but I don't want to use them. I mean, yeah. I could use Pangea. I could use Fort, you know, all these ones. But finding good ones from other breweries are getting more and more difficult. So help us out. If you want to put together what beer am I, uh, we'll run it. As long as it doesn't suck. Right. Okay, let's move on to the style description for tonight. The Let's talk about the We haven't the done blocks. this in a while, have we? No, it's been a long time since so I've had to prepare a sheet like this. <laughs> Double box or doppel box are huge beers with enough malt packed into them to consider them a meal in itself. Yeah. It's generally having a very full-bodied flavor and darker than other box with higher levels of alcohol. They range in color from dark amber to nearly black. Dark versions may have a slight chocolate or roasted character.
1: I mean, sweet and malty is basically what you're going to get from this.
0: Yeah. Beer, right? On the BJCP guidelines for aroma, very strong maltiness. Mm-hmm. Darker versions have significant melanoidins and often toasty aromas.
1: Melanoidins, What is that?
0: Melanoidins are the... And now these are color. They're the color. It's the like same Melanin thing. Is, is, is in your skin. That is skin color. Melanoidins, if I'm not mistaken, I might be pulling this out of the air or my butt, but it's the uh, same compound that happens to meat when you cook it. The brown in okay. the meat. I'm pretty sure it's similar or same compound as the melanoidins. So when you have very malty beer and you boil it, you get some of that kettle caramelization or you get more metal, melanoidins made in your beer. So you get that dark, Roasty flavor and uh, you know caramel flavor from the beer.
1: I'm not a very good good eats fan because I should know what, the, what, what that's called when you that browning effect, the Maillard effect. There you go. Okay. When you um, the Maillard reaction, I think it is when you brown meat. It's the sugar. Is the caramelization of the sugars.
0: Okay. I think that's uh, the melanoids too. But if it's not, I'm sure someone will let us know. For appearance, we have uh, deep gold. To dark brown in color, darker versions have ruby highlights. Lager should provide good clarity, large, creamy, persistent head. This is a
1: lagered beer.
0: Right. Flavor, very rich and malty. Darker versions will have significant melanoidins. Okay, we already went over that. (laughs) (laughs) Very strong and rich lager. Bigger version of either traditional Bach or Bach. The history of this, a Bavarian specialty first brewed in Munich by the monks of St. Francis of Paula historical versions were less well attenuated than modern interpretations with consequently higher sweetness and lower alcohol levels.
1: And I guess they were considered liquid bread by the monks when they were made.
0: The word "bok" means goat. Did you know that? That's why all these bottles have goats on them. I see. So so we have two goats there?
1: This is a double goat. I guess
0: goats are sweet. I'm not sure the historical... (laughs) uh, relevance to the bar to the goat so let us know Uh, original gravity is 1.072 to 1.096 blah 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 blah, blah. (laughs) alcohol is 7 to 10 percent you want to move on to the first beer absolutely
1: this is the Eyinger
0: Celebrator Dopperbach, which is made in Eying Germany this one was donated I
1: hope it's Eying is it probably right
0: yeah Eying is the name of the um, the city so I or name of the brewery Private Browery equals Inkelskammer KG Browery I. Okay. Or pronounce something moderately similar to the that. The
1: website is uh, einger-beer beer B-I-E-R dot D-E. So, what... This beer
0: was donated to us by Andrew
1: from Georgia. Thank you very much, Andrew. Uh, not much available on here except for 6.7% alcohol and a gravity of 18.5% or 18.5% play doh and if you divide that by four, something like that, we did that on a post show. I think how to determine gravity.
0: Multiply it by four, and you'll get the specific gravity. Right. Multiply it by four, and then add in the one point zero. So you append one point. You prepend right. one point zero to four times the Plato. <laughs> this one
1: has a little goat around the. <laughs> There's a little plastic goat yeah, around, little the plastic the around the neck of the bottle. Around the neck. Wow, that's a dark beer with ruby highlights, which is pretty much exactly what I'd expect from the BJCP guide.
0: Um, this is the lowest alcohol one of the night, yeah. so that's why we're drinking it first.
1: It is uh, has a nice billow, a nice uh, soft creamy head, but it's about a finger's worth or so. Jeff had a huge amount of head. From him. Yeah. A very sweet smell.
0: Um, sweet. You get some roasty caramel yeah. flavor from it. Mm-hmm. Um, no hops to be found anywhere. Yeah. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, sugary sweetness.
0: It's, the sweetness is fading a little bit. I'm getting a little more bready aroma now.
1: Yes. Yes, I would exactly agree with that. And
0: now that I swirled, I'm getting more sweetness again.
1: <laughs> well, time to give it a taste.
0: Mmm. It's drier than I would have expected. Yeah, it's,
1: it's dry. It comes hits you with a, a maltiness at first. Sort of a, a dark, roasty maltiness. And then... Turns into a sweetness as it comes out a little bit, and the sweetness sort of lingers a bit.
0: Mm, lots of melanoidins. Yes, <laughs> they're very melanoidic. And I think you can actually figure out what melanoidins attribute to a beer by drinking this. You're getting a lot of that cooked mm-hmm. meat flavor. I mean, not doesn't taste like cooked meat, but you're getting a similar flavor yeah. coming from the beer.
1: Uh, a, a roast, a, a really interesting roastiness.
0: It's not like porter roast. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit sweeter. It's a I mean, the roast itself seems a little bit sweeter, which is interesting because it's different from the overall sweetness of the beer. Yeah. When you say, um, "tiny bit of charness to that roasty flavor," when you say just the tin pinch,
1: you're right. I mean, char is—it's um, not really a flavor so much as it is a uh, texture or um, a symptom, I guess okay. you could say, but. Uh, there, there's a little bit of something there that's close to it. I don't know whether I would necessarily say that. Uh, you know, as, as Alton Brown says, uh, char is not a valid flavor. You okay, know, carbon is not a valid flavor. It's... <laughs> okay, but um, but I don't think it, it quite hits that. You know, because when when you actually taste that, you know, the carbon like you get when you char a, a steak or something, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's just kind of this almost acidic.
0: Yeah. I think you get a little bit of that though. I mean, just very very dilute very minimal. I mean when you say char it's like such a big harsh word. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna overassume what I mean or over understand what I mean, where I'm just saying just a touch of the I'm trying to 'cause I'm trying to describe that, that melanoidin or that roasty flavor that we're getting, where it's a little bit sweet and also has a little bit of uh toasty or but it seems blacker than toasty. It seems like it's bordering on charred.
1: I don't know. I I I don't know if I um would agree with you with that fl that flavor being there. I just I just think of it as a, sort of more of a heavy roast. Okay. I was kind of um apprehensive about this show because I tend to not like a a, a beer that is over. Just, I don't tend to like not like a lot of things are overly sweet. Mm-hmm. Anything for, you know it doesn't have to be a beer. Like cheesecake to me is just it. I I almost can't eat it. It's too rich for me. So. I was apprehensive, but this is actually really nice and drinkable. I like this. I don't yeah, know it's what... a lot
0: drier than I thought it would be. And that changes the whole impression of the beer. And uh, it's weird. You know, dry is usually a finish or an aftertaste. To me, it's the beginning of this flavor. You taste dry. Mm-hmm. And then once it's sat on your tongue for a little bit, then you get the malt and the roastiness and the sweetness from the beer. It's almost like backwards.
1: Yeah. It's really uh, very tasty. The same friend I went with to... Um, Japan and I are planning at some point, within the next, I don't know, a couple of months, maybe a little bit later than that, uh, to go on a trip to England. He has a friend up there, and so we may go up there and just uh, check out all those beers. Oh, um, that could be so, interesting. Yeah, we tend to have a good time on trips with each other, so that's why we, we plan to okay. you know, plan to do these things uh, together. And, um, yeah, so I'm kind of well, curious. part of England? London, I think, for the most okay. part.
0: Okay. So, you find all the uh yeah. the pub kids drinking the Budweiser.
1: Right? So, you know, the, the fact that we're doing a lot of foreign beers here, I realize a are gonna be from Germany. Um but certainly I can't wait to try one lot of those It'll be
0: interesting to trying a whole bunch of English English milds. Yeah. Three, four percent alcohol beers, beers getting right. used to those beers and seeing how they taste to you. It'd be interesting to see what your impression is. When you first got there and uh you know, after you've had them for a few days how they go i'm sure you can get stronger beers yeah. there but maybe you want to make a point of trying just cascales and session beers or you know i don't know it's up to you but
1: it's going to be somewhat different from uh johan in that japan had incredible food and the beer scene <laughs> was
0: pretty subdued
1: and i think that they would be pretty much exactly the opposite
0: yeah i was just wondering is if the um if it's a stereotype or if english food is all that bad um,
1: Shepherd's Pie is like English, right? I guess it's more Scottish. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I can live with it.
0: Yeah, I, I'd love to go there and check it out. Speaking of different geographic places, have you looked at our Frapper map lately? Yes, I have. I Did you see I read it Yeah, I about? saw you. You put your picture up and everything. Yeah. I got to <laughs> put a real photo of me up somewhere now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I got a lot of people. got Greg from New Zealand. So he's our that farthest away. That was away.
1: great to see that up there.
0: He's our farthest away one. He was like the second or third person to come on and uh I think geographically that's about as far as away as you can get. Pretty so much. he's gonna keep keep that one for a record for a long time. But we got a bunch of people all over the country, a guy up in Alaska, a couple Canadians now. So just
1: keeps getting attitude. That's great. Yeah, so uh, Frapper is very easy. You don't even have to register to, to sign up and to put yourself on the list. Oh,
0: I didn't realize that. So, so you can just sign up. There's a link on our website to our Frapper map, and you can. there's a little push pins where all the craft beer radio listeners are. It's kind of interesting. It's a little community-oriented type thing yeah, for the show.
1: I like it. I guess that's it for this one.
0: Well, that was the anger celebrator Doppelbach. Yeah, that's, we need to keep repeating the beers we're tasting. That's right. Uh, um, was it John from Capitol it, Hill it who mentioned that? It was John. Yeah, because we talked about that in a show where we wanted to start doing it more. Because I've been listening to other shows about different things, and you tune in and you tune out, and you soon soon you're lost. You don't know what they're talking about. So we need to keep repeating the beer, even exactly. if it sounds too much to us. I think it'll be good for the show. So, so
1: then, what I would uh, mention to people who were listening is. We are drinking alcoholic beverages, so if we forget every now and then, hopefully you'll
0: excuse us. The uh, celebrator, as I finished it, as it was warming up, I did get some of that dark fruit flavor, mm-hmm. some of the raisins. More so than the rest of the time yeah. I was drinking the beer. I really tasted it when it was just about gone. Okay, this is the spottin Optimate Like all Spottons, it's in a green bottle, so we're kind of hesitant. Crossing our fingers, I grabbed the one from the very back, darkest corner of the beer cave at Dee's.
1: From München, Germany. Um, 7.2% alcohol. Do you smell any skunk?
0: I think I do. Oof. Damn uh, you, Spotten. I <laughs> spotten. 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 Skunken. Why do they have to keep giving us these green bottles? Because the PR department has more influence than the brewing department. I suppose. Mm hmm. I smell a mixture of skunk and.
1: A little bit of maltiness. It's uh not quite as dark. I'm not really getting.
0: I'm getting a, a like a noble hop smell, but I'm not sure if I'm really getting skunk.
1: Maybe like, it's just because I expect the sweetness, and i was made.
0: Maybe too. I'm not really. As I, you know, when I first opened the bottle, I caught a whiff that wasn't malty, and I'm like, oh no. Yeah. But now, as I'm smelling it, it, I don't think I'm smelling skunk, but it's smelling like a a zot's hop or something. Yeah. Which is not really per style Either
1: Hmm Well what we'll the taste is Okay so out. this
0: one's lighter than the Celebrator You can see through it more than just like highlights In the bottom corners of the glass The head's a thick creamy head Good looking head on it so it doesn't look like it was too Mishandled other than a couple photons Going in through the through the glass Not nearly as malty No As the Celebrator was um, hmm. Let me try that again I'm not really tasting any skunk off flavor though.
1: No, I'm I'm not either. I think somehow we managed to get the non-skunk spot.
0: It's a very dark beer, relative to the other Spaten Mm -hmm. that we've had that was super skunked. So when the beer is more opaque, it does decrease the skunking because the light doesn't go into the beer as far. Now, granted, molecules can move, and the outside skunky molecules can get in the middle, and new fresh ones can come out to be skunked. But overall, darker beers like the Samuel Smith's Oatmeal Stout is probably one of their, or Imperial Stout, one of those two are probably the least likely Sam Smith's to be skunked because they're darker than the brown ale or right. the pale, heaven forbid, even, the pale ale. Even
1: when they're in that, that
0: clear bottle. that we're Heaven, was yeah, heaven forbid, a pale ale in a clear bottle. So this beer still has a fair amount of body to it. Yeah, maybe slightly thinner than the Celebrator, but not very much. It doesn't have the same kind of malt as as a more um, direct sweetness
1: that really comes at you, comes at the top of your mouth.
0: This tastes, I mean, maybe because we're having it right after the Celebrator, but it tastes really bitter for a Doppelbach, doesn't don't you think? I mean, granted, the bitterness is still low mm-hmm. compared to most, you know, the whole beer spectrum, but for the style, it. I'm getting a lot of hop flavor or bitterness from this. Thing, yeah, man. I think that's true. And it's not what I was expecting at all.
1: Yeah, it's kind of an interesting, um, interesting twist on the whole Doppelbock thing. What you wouldn't necessarily expect from a German brewer. Someone to take almost an American like direction with something like this and, now, and, and play with it hop wise.
0: I'm getting a little bit of a um, vinous flavor now, a little uh, grapey, like grape skin or winey. From it, It's not really tannic, like, uh, sourness. No, I wouldn't say tannic, but a little bit of vines to it. Um, I I can detect some of that
1: raisinness, some of that... um,
0: When you're drinking it into your mouth, try to breathe some air over it while it's on your tongue. And that's when I really picked up the flavor. See if you can get it when you do that.
1: Yeah. I see what you're going at.
0: It's kind of like the flavor you like to find in a uh, colch or... um, one of those other style of beers where you get the vine, especially Kolsch, where you get the, the, the vine, type flavor has a little bit of that to it, Mm -hmm. which is also not something you really expected. Yes.
1: But, but I, you know, I am kind of getting into the, 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 like, like you said in the last ones of the raisin flavor, maybe a, maybe a cherry. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the Spaten optimator, by the way.
0: Very good. Very good. I was just about to try to work that in. It's interesting. Yeah, it, it is. It, 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 it's not my expectation, but it's certainly interesting. For these uh, imported beers, this is always a problem I have. They're, I can never find a lot of the vital statistics for these beers on the websites. Yeah. Some of these websites, like the next one, the uh, the Polliner website, all in German. I couldn't find an English version of the page. <laughs> gotcha. So I'm looking through German words that I can recognize and trying to figure stuff out, but didn't find anything useful.
1: And uh, certainly Alta Vista is no help. <laughs> or Babblefish.
0: Well, they had this flash page. You were sitting in this beer garden, and there was this waitress who would bring you a menu. The menu would come up, and you would pick what part of the site you wanted to see. It was an interesting idea, but I just want to get the data, so it's annoying for me.
1: I would but, love to go to one of those German beer gardens where you just get the huge you know, glasses. Big and just, glasses. Yeah, just sit there and drink beer and... You know, BS.
0: That's another place they use knives to scrape the foam off the top of the mm-hmm, glass.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, well that was the Spaten the Spaten Optimator. So overall the Spaten was less malty. Mm-hmm. More hop presence to it. It's hard to really tell if it's bitterness. I think there was some flavor there. Um, to me it didn't seem like what you expected for the style, possibly off-style, but it was a very drinkable, definitely enjoyable drinking beer. Just uh, be very hesitant when you buy it. Yeah. You know, be careful, um, because that green bottle could wreak havoc on the flavor.
1: You know, I wanted to ask you while we're opening this one. This is the Sal, um, the Salvatore Doppelbock from uh, Poliner Salvatore Thomas Brown. Uh, Seven point five percent alcohol. I wanted to ask you about these beers because we mentioned before multi beers. Go ahead and open it. Oh, okay. We mentioned before that uh, all the multi beers are better. To better ways to bring in your friends or people who you want to introduce craft beer, better way to introduce them into malty beers and hoppy beers because malt is, is sort of a, brings flavor in a little bit, brings some people into the beer a little bit more than, say, bitterness. But would you say that this kind of overt maltiness is uh, good for that?
0: We, we had an email conversation with mm-hmm. someone over this past week about the malty beers. It's a good gateway beer. And uh, I don't disagree, but I don't understand it because I found the hoppy beers. That's how I got in through into the you know craft beer, and the multi beers really took a long time to come around. So uh, if you were asking me to pick beers to try to get someone in, I wouldn't pick multi beers. So asking me whether something this multi would be good as a gateway beer or not,
1: I, I yeah. can't tell you. It so. is true. I mean, you came in through hops, and I came in really through brown elves. I came in through malts. So we have we have come in different directions to get to the same place.
0: Yep. So I just had an initial hankering when I first tasted my first overly hot beer, the Hop Devil. I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's what hop tastes like. I really like that. <laughs> and from there on out, well, actually before that, I had a couple IPAs like the the Foundry Brew, Foundry Ale Works um, IPA. I knew I liked that, but I didn't really wasn't able to tell what the hops tasted like at the time.
1: Well, see, I remember at my old work they used to have. Um, they used to have beer days every Friday, and they would bring in some stuff that uh, I hadn't heard of before. Like they had Sierra Nevada pale ale, and uh, they had Newcastle, and I really loved the Newcastle, but I didn't really like the pale ale because I didn't, I didn't like that hoppy flavor. Okay, uh, you know now I love it, <laughs> but it, it it was it was very off putting to me with the bitterness. It was really the bitterness that was off putting to me that I couldn't really get into. It wasn't the hoppy flavor; it was the bitterness. Okay, and I th- I think that for for at least for me, and I think Lou Bryson is, is right in the sense that other people 'cause I've talked- I've talked to some people who get into it and they feel that hops taste like air freshener or whatever or something like that or they don't mm-hmm. like bitterness. That yet sort of bring people in slowly if you want people to really stick with it. I guess no, it's not for I, you though.
0: No, I understand. And I will try to keep that in mind next time I'm advocating beer to to, you know, the uninitiated, if you will. But just my natural preference would be, no, I would uh, take them in through Belgians, perhaps, which are sweet. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say Oktoberfest. I wouldn't say Doppelbach. Because my natural incl- inclination yeah. is that it took me a long time to get around to liking these to house beers. Well, my point is that I think these are too malty. I think these
1: are overtly malty. They're really flavorful and good beers for the beer drinker. Mm-hmm. But for someone who is used to straight old Pilsner style, or not even, you know, straight old American pale Pilsner style, these are, would be way too much flavor, way too much sweetness for for them.
0: Okay, let's talk a little bit about the Salvatore Doppelbach. Aroma is delicious. Very,
1: it? very bready. Um,
0: Lots of, it's a very malty one, but yeah. they get some breadiness to it. It's a pretty sweet aroma. I'm really digging the aroma on this one. It's, it's, um, so it's a much
1: lighter beer. It's very clear. It's a sort of a, a light tan. Of
0: uh, I would say it's um, an orange brown, halfway between orange and brown. I would say, with a little bit of uh, a little bit of amber mixed in.
1: Okay, all right, I'll I'll go with you on that yeah. one.
0: I mean, to me, uh, it's, it's, Whitney, it's
1: considerably lighter than the other two.
0: Yeah, very clear. The head on it is a nice thick head. It's still thick and dense after we've talked about. The multi beer thing for mm-hmm. five minutes now.
1: Has a very uh, sweet flavor. Uh, it's a wet, as opposed to the dryness of the celebrator. It's a very wet flavor. Yeah, like, wet texture. I guess that,
0: that's the first thing you get from it. It's as sweet, and as malty as the celebrator, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's not dry. It's definitely on the wet side of it.
1: Maltiness, again. You know, stays with this beer. The the, the sweetness kind of you know resides and just sort of stays there.
0: There's a sweetness. And it's probably the sweetest one so far, but it's not syrupy yet.
1: Yeah. It's true. true. It is the sweetest one so far. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't it doesn't have that syrupiness that I was kind of afraid of and that I might actually get with the barley wines.
0: Right. Well the sweetness that we tasted in the pre show beer, which mm-hmm. is not yeah. of style. We did the Great Divide Hibernation now. That had a sweetness to it, a little bit of syrupiness. Yeah. And this one is that sweet, but not syrupy yet. So very, very nice. I still like the aroma on this one.
1: Yeah, it is really delicious aroma.
0: Okay, I'm getting some of the dark fruit on this one now. Some of that raisiny... Maybe prune?
1: prunish. Yeah,
0: prune. Somewhere along those lines. This is the Salvatore Doppelbock. <laughs> In case you were zoning out.
1: <laughs> By Polliner. Now, Polliner, we last tasted the uh, Oktoberfest. And I think, was theirs our favorite?
0: Um... I think so. Yeah. Well, the Spaten on tap was, was was the best.
1: Was it the best or was it the second best?
0: I think it was the best. I think the Polliner was the best bottled beer. Yeah, the Spaten was, in the bottle, extremely skunked. Yes. But the the time we had on tap, it, it tasted like it was fresh right out of the brewery. It was really good. Yeah.
1: Hmm. It's just a really drinkable sweetness. I, I think that... Um, again we're seeing that effect of you drink a lot of the same style you're going you're going to tend to enjoy it more
0: yeah i think i have the most complaints about this one i think the lingering sweetness does build up as you're drinking the beer and it right now i'm having the feeling that the spirit does to have too much lingering sweetness to it it's sitting on the back sides of my tongue and mm-hmm. it, it just makes me want to get a, get the the water and rinse out my mouth. Out my mouth. I just getting...
1: like, I really like the way this tastes that is going down. I, I, I tend to agree that it kind of, as it's sort of, as it's there and it just sort of lingers, it kind of gets a little sweet, but as it's going down, I really enjoyed that, that kind of mix of maltiness and and just sugariness.
0: Yeah, that's really the only complaint. It does seem to, to build up on your tongue, and by the time you're almost done like I am now, it just seems to be a little more, too much for me. Hmm.
1: You know, in all these beers, they're, they're relatively high in alcohol, but I haven't been able to taste the alcohol yet.
0: The winey vinous flavor we were getting from the Spaten. I think there might have been a little bit of alcohol influence in that part of the flavor. Mm. But overall, no, they're not warming. They're not hot. It, it's very well hidden for the yeah. strength of these beers, that's for sure. That was the Salvatore
1: Doppelbach. And finally, this is the Sudbruck. Bringing it back to
0: the United States.
1: This is, uh, I assume, Sudwerk is the best way to pronounce it.
0: Um. Yes. Yeah. That's what someone emailed us and told us yeah. how it was pronounced. The Sudwerk. You Dabble. wouldn't. You wouldn't know by the name. It's an American brewery, yeah. private brewery Sudwerk Hubsch.
1: It's the uh, Sudwerk Doublebach
0: from the Sudwerk Restaurant and
1: Brewery in Davis, California. This was sent to us by Gary from California. Thank you, Gary. Uh, and a production of 10,000 barrels. This brewery started in 1990. Their website is com. That's
0: S-U-D-W-E-R-K. There was no information on their website about distribution. So I have no idea where you can find this beer. Davis, California is the only thing I know. <laughs> and it is a 8%. They do make 10,000 barrels. So you would think most of Californians should be able to find it at that size.
1: And they are a Doppelba they are excuse me, they are a brewery.
0: Yeah, they brew a, a bunch of German style beers, uh, Pilsner's um drawn a blank now. Four beers into the show, drawn a blank.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, Pilsner's, Dunkels, um,
0: Hefeweizen's, um Yeah, I don't know which styles they had. I know they had a Pilsner. they um, believe they had an Oktoberfest. Check out the website to see what other right. beers they make. Sweet smell again, but it, it's, it's the driest smelling yeah. one of the night. But it doesn't have the hop flavor that we thought we pricked up in the Optimator, the spot in Optimator.
1: Very dark, by the way. Very, almost as, almost dark in the Celebrator, maybe. It's um, maybe the same darkness?
0: It's the same or slightly darker than the Celebrator. It has
1: less of a head than, than all the other beers. It's, the head is actually very thin.
0: Now this is the highest in alcohol, and those are proportional. Right. The higher the alcohol, the less the head, typically. So that could be. This is. It's not much higher than the other ones. This one's at eight percent. So I don't know how much that would affect it, but it could. This is the Sudwerk Doppelbock.
1: Another very dry maltiness without a. No, okay, the sweetness is coming, but it's not a huge amount of sweetness.
0: When you drink it, it tastes. It takes a while for the flavors to tune in. Yeah, they come in. And the first thing I got was a roast And it was different than the other roasts it, But it wasn't a porter type or a stout type roast either It was um, Let's see if I can figure out what Describe what this roast tastes like Let me take another sip <laughs>
1: It's
0: a very interesting roast It's a combination of The Raisiny roast like of an anchor porter mm-hmm. And I guess the sweetness that You got from uh, The celebrator you can find those two in just the right way, and I think you'll get what this flavor is. I'm starting to get a
1: bit of a, uh, of a bitterness. Of a lingering bitterness. This is, again, the Sudverk Double
0: I'm getting uh Ooh, I just got alcohol that time.
1: Yeah. I'm noticing alcohol in this one, too.
0: Yeah. Um, I had it sitting on the back of my tongue for a while. And I was going to say that I was picking up some hoppiness, or some hop flavor. But then it just... Swung a 180, and my whole mouth exploded with alcohol warming. Mm. Or um, just vaporized alcohols running up into my sinus. You know what this reminds
1: me of? Dogfish Head's Indian Brown dough
0: Not nearly as... I mean, is, this is much, much sweeter. Yes. But the roasty part of it...
1: And the alcohol awareness...
0: I can see where you say that. I don't think I would have drawn the conclusion on my own. But I can understand where you're coming from, for sure. I have a bottle of that in the fridge. If you want to <laughs> do that on the post show,
1: no, we got the um, we got a good post show beer. I think.
0: Okay, yeah, it'll be nice.
1: Stay tuned to find out what it is.
0: Yeah, we're not going to tell you, nee, 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 nee.
1: <laughs> unless you look at the website before you, <laughs> and you, you probably already know. Hmm. So some of the sweetness is starting to come out a little bit more now, Um, but it's. And it's kind of, the, the, the bitterness I thought was there isn't so much there anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, the now that you know it's warmed up, or I have two, three sips left. And uh, good, roasty taste. And then as you breathe in over your tongue or exhale, a lot of alcohol warming yeah. in this mm-hmm. one. This one definitely is the one that doesn't hide the alcohol. That's probably one of the ma- biggest traits about this beer.
1: The Sudwerk.
0: The aroma now. I'm getting a bunch of dried uh, dark fruit. Raisins, prunes. I'm Cherries. definitely getting that in the aroma now, yeah.
1: mention cherry a lot. It's a very popular... Well, I wouldn't say popular. It's very. Um, it's a flavor that they use that you find a lot of as you, as you roast malt. Here, have a dried cherry. <laughs> Jeff is giving me a dried cherry, which I won't actually eat on the show because I know how gross that sounds. But...
0: We'll try them in a little bit.
1: Yeah, but the smell I get is actually a lot different from the taste. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, certainly. See, uh, that's why I was hesitant to. Well, I got this fruit of dried blueberries, raspberries, and cherries, and I know what the dried cherries taste like. They're delicious, but they're not the what I think Greg is trying to describe. So that's why I was hesitating to say yeah. cherries. So.
1: Well, I, you know, it's kind of a cherry that's reminiscent of. Um, no, I understand, they, cola could, flavoring, cola I understand
0: cherry. they could be cherry-like, but when I, mean, I think dried cherry, I think these suckers right yeah. here, and uh, quite different from yeah. what I know you're trying to describe, so.
1: Well, that was the suvert
0: I think it's ranking time.
1: Yes, I think so.
0: Actually, um, so. it's a little late for ranking time. We're done with the beers. <laughs> We're almost done. Uh, Let me go first. Let me go okay, first. Let yeah, me go first. Yeah. I'm going to start from the back end. Okay. Ooh. Salvatore. It uh, was the maltiest, sweetest one of the night, and like I said, build up on the tongue. And it's the beer that I, it's the only beer that I have a bad thing to say about. Second, now the top three are close, very, very close. Okay, I'm gonna put number three, the Spaten Optimator. It was um, enjoyable, very enjoyable. That's why these are very close. I had to pick between this one and the next one, which one I liked a little bit better. And, you know, the different reasons I liked them. They're almost tied. And the second one is the Sudwerk. Mm-hmm. I liked the warming in it. It was a nice addition to the flavor. Um, the Spaten had the dryness and the, the vinous flavors, which I enjoyed. The Sudwerk had a uh, that different sweetness with a little bit of raisiny to it and the alcohol so it's a trade off on which characteristics you want to rank higher and then my favorite of the night was the Celebrator Doppelbuck it just seemed to be the beer of the style you know it just fit very well nice round Mm. maltiness no real hops to speak of but and it was dry it wasn't too sweet it was just a very good beer for the night
1: Uh, my opinion is somewhat close um, one and four are the same for me. It's just two and three are, are different. Okay. Um, the Polliner is is for me. Yeah, the the, the, the my least favorite. of The night. Um Jeff basically went over exactly why, and he was exactly right. It's just not 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 a, a little not. I wasn't that into it. Uh, for me, then the next one would be the Sudvirk. Excuse me. The Next one would be the Sudverk. It was um it was good. It was very good, but it was a little bit too. Uh, too, too much of that alcohol presence, I think Okay Uh, Then the Spaten, which I enjoyed I really did enjoy it a lot more than I expected From my initial smelling But, uh, hey, there it was It was really enjoyable And I liked uh, the flavoring out of it But then, of course, the Celebrator That was the number one
0: of them. No, on the bottom of the BJCP guidelines They rank the beers from The first one is always the most to style Okay And then they work their way down so the number one beer they have is the Polliner, hmm. the Salvatore. So that, from the person who wrote this style guide for the Doppelbock, thinks that's most to style. And so, so if the, you're brewing the one a, we said was, was, a, was our least So if you're brewing that. a Doppelbock that is, you know, supposed to score the highest in a BJCP judging, it should be more similar to the characteristics of the Salvatore than the other ones. Number two, though, they have is the Celebrator, which was our favorite. Interesting. So, no, it doesn't mean all or nothing, it means these are acceptable flavors, and these are acceptable flavors. Just these are more acceptable. And Jeff so, is pointing to the... Well, it's not really important. <laughs> but uh, I could have been pointing to my you know nose if I wanted to. Number three, they have the Spaten. And then the... Oh, well, obviously the Sudvarka is not on there because it's not as... Um, Huge, popular. Bells Causticator. I was surprised to see that one on there. I've never heard of that one. The (laughs) Bells beer. They always try to put an American one in in a category like this where they're all English. The BJCP needed to find a good American. And they put the Bells um, probably more available when it's available than the Troganator. Which we wanted to have on the show, but these were sold out of Troganator when we went there.
1: Such is the way of life.
0: That was we're show twenty five. You know that we did. It was
1: sort of a milestone show. We never even. It's our it. silver anniversary. Yeah,
0: and we're already send over an hour. Song. So let's uh, wrap this one up. All right. All right. So we will see you next week. You want? Let's do imperial stouts.
1: Imperial? Okay, that sounds great to me. I thought we were going to be doing barley wines, but
0: I got some people that might send us some barley wines. So I gotta hold on, and I gotta try to convince you to do a double barley wine show. A double barley wine? <laughs> well, we're getting, if they send what they want to send, then we got to convince you to do a double show. Or like two shows? Two shows.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Why okay.
0: On? Well, then, you've heard it here. We're doing Imperial Stout. yeah. The <laughs> Imperial Stout. I was going to say a double barley was like 28% alcohol. <laughs> no, I meant two shows. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and the MP Stout might be a double show, too. i got to see what I have lined up. Okay. So, we will... Uh, thanks for listening to Craft Beer Radio. I'm Jeff. I'm Greg. And we will see you next week. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. If you have any questions or comments, email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. Our intro and closing music is Lameface by Feeble Wiener. You can find a link to Feeble Wiener on our website. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information.
1: (laughs) It's a cell from are the